Welcome to episode 160 of the Left Behind Game Club. This week, we play Subsurface Circular. Let's get right into it. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Jacob McCourt, and today I have three friends with me. The first friend, you know her, you love her. Her name is Flora Marigold. I am ready to promote Elite Energy. (laughs) (laughs) And here to promote Elite Energy, uh, Travis Colnut. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, We have a special announcement, but we're going to start by introducing our third guest, uh, on for the first time, Professor RPG himself, Scott White, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Did you Ooh. know Left Behind is a book series, a Christian science fiction book series? Well, now you do. <laughs> wow. We named it after that, clearly. Clearly. So much in common. Um, <laughs> tell us about yourself and the content you do. Sure. So, uh, as you mentioned, Jacob, I host, I my moniker, my brand is kind of Professor RPG. I host the RPG-focused podcast, RPG University where I sit down with guests every other week to nerd out and talk about RPGs we love or topics that are going on right now in the RPG industry and just kind of hang out while also providing tips and advice for players that might want to get into the game, where they can find the game, and then, yeah, just kind of hang out. And then I write and produce content for various websites around the internet. So that's, that's my shtick. You're saying you're very busy with all the things, right? I do a lot of the things. I do too many things. Uh, but you know it's good. I haven't I haven't keeled over yet, so it's all good. <laughs> well, please don't keel over because we have a very exciting episode to talk through, or a very exciting game to talk through today. Uh, before we run you through the gauntlet, we have a special announcement. Um, Travis, hello, hi. Um, so you've been on like twenty of these shows, huh? Just about, I think. You want to join the podcast? You I mean, be a permanent host. You have <laughs> twisted my arm for the last year. Yep. Asking me to be joining the pod. And so my official answer is no, thank you. No, just kidding. Um, my, <laughs> no. Plot twist. Uh, yeah. So guess I'm guess I'm joining. I, I, I got a lot more free time now, so I'll be uh, I'll be able to do a lot more episodes than I did in the past. So might as well just make it official. Yeah. Travis, uh, welcome to the show. You're the new permanent host. We're so excited to have you. Yay. Thank you, uh, Scott. Yeah. Uh, we do this thing with new guests. Yep. Uh, it is called the gauntlet. Uh, we ask you a series of questions so that folks can learn more about you and your gaming habits, your your gaming loves, your gaming hates. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So are you ready for us to run you through that? Ready. Flora, would you like to gong for us? <laughs> I'm so, right when you said we that, only my alarm just went off. Met. <laughs> uh, when you say gong, do you mean like like actually sound effect or just gong. be like... Uh, <laughs> oh, God, gong! No. Love it. Um... <laughs> All right, let's run through the gauntlet. Scott, have you ever pretended to be sick uh, to get out of something so you could play a game? Oh, hands down. I I provide my wife a list usually at the beginning of the year of games I will be taking time off work for just to play uh, using sick time. So, yes. I love uh, what that. games this year are you skipping? Final Fantasy uh, 16 mm-hmm. um, is, is going to be a big one. So, And maybe Mega okay. Man Battle Network Collection in April. That might be my birthday Ooh. gift to myself. Uh, what's your earliest gaming memory? My earliest gaming memory is probably my first memory ever. It was trying to get out of the King's Chamber in the original Dragon Quest, but I 
didn't know how to read because I was like a baby, and you had specific like selections for door, stairs, and whatnot in the main menu. And obviously, I couldn't read, so I couldn't get out of the King's Chamber in Dragon Quest. <laughs> oh. uh, what'd you play that on? NES. NES. Okay. I was like, did you go to an arcade to play that? No. Nope. <laughs> you said drag- Dragon's Quest, not Dragon's Lair. There's right. no reading in Dragon's Lair. What am right. I saying? I guess technically, at that time, it was still Dragon Warrior in the U.S., it was the mm-hmm. original Dragon Warrior slash Dragon Quest in the in the U.S. on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Very good. Um, what game have you spent the most hours on? If it's like if I could spread it over a series of like very tightly knit narrative and whatnot, the Legend of Heroes Trails series. Mm-hmm. If it's a single game only, probably Final Fantasy fourteen. Mm-hmm. Nice. Very good. Um, mm-hmm. Two more for you. Sure. Uh, what is your most controversial gaming opinion? I think Final Fantasy VIII is a better overall package than Final Fantasy IX. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. Flora, Travis, have you played both? I love... Maybe one? I love nine. I love nine. I've not played okay. eight, though, so I can't argue. Haven't so. <laughs> played both. I, I just have heard so much praise of nine that that strikes me as, like, a controversial opinion. Per yeah. <laughs> I mean, no one talks about eight. It's, like, seven, and then, like nine and then there's others and like there's i mean there's tons of others that are really good but like when in terms of growing up and stuff it was like seven eight and nine were the thing that were being talked about the most and well i mean eight really didn't though but i'm sure it's good i just i can't argue it and eight also had that like controversial remaster or whatever where like they're like look at how much we've upgraded this character's face and then it was like kind of not that great <laughs> I to do begin remember with that. that's actually hilarious the remaster <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, finally, uh, what is your favorite console generation? PlayStation 2, GameCube, Xbox era. Mm. Okay. Okay. Do you have a favorite? You said those very fast. Like, what is your favorite game in that generation? Uh, favorite, uh, favorite game in that generation, I would probably say right off the top of my head, I'm going Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. Nice. Good. Good. So that's your favorite MGS game. What is the worst MGS game? Metal Gear Solid 5 or V. Okay. It's incomplete. That's not really an MGS game. It, it's very good. I like it. It's just very apparent when they kick Kojima off of it and it just feels like an incomplete package. Any other questions you want to ask Scott before we jump in? I'd like to throw in like one or two maybe. Um, one question that I really enjoyed when it was asked of me is, have you ever had a crush on a video game character? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Do you mind sharing? Uh, <laughs> well, I, it's Tifa. I mean. Yes. <laughs> Solidarity. Uh, uh, as a also a big Metal Gear Solid fan, um, I was I went by Solid Snake One Twenty Four probably fifteen years on everything, and even like on PSN, I still go by. Uh, Meryl Silverberg is awesome. Um, I mean, Sniper Wolf is pretty hot too because she's like a sniper, and she has like has dogs, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> For the um, lore, yeah. But gotta go. Team okay, Tifa. Team Tifa. All right, excellent answer. Uh, personally speaking and then um, the other question I was curious about is like do you think that there is a most overlooked or most underappreciated RPG series Legend of Heroes Trails in the Sky or Trails series yes okay and why is that um I think a lot of for I think one of the big reasons is Falcom never has really prioritized graphics and starting probably around the PS2 era 
a lot of people thought very much about graphics and that graphics made games. And Falcom has always been very much more focused on making really good narratives in their games. Um, East is another great series, A Legend of Heroes. And with Trails in the Sky, it started off on the PC market, only in Japan. And they're just massive games, so they took they take a long time to come out over here. And they're a big time investment, but they are so worthwhile. They'll never look the prettiest, but damn, if, if you invest the time, you got mwah, chef's kiss. <laughs> It's just fantastic, and I will always spread the word, the good word of the the Trail series. Awesome. Thank you. Yes. Well, uh, this is not a podcast about the Trails games. Uh, This particular podcast is about Subsurface Circular, uh, developed by Mike Bithel Games, published by Mike Bithel Games. It's out on Mac, uh, iOS, Windows, and Switch, originally released in August of 2017. Uh, We start the show with a fast pitch. It is a one-sentence description of the game that we are here to talk about. Flora, did you want to jump in first? Yes. I feel like this game is an elaborate excuse to plug a Hamilton reference. (laughs) (laughs) Please elaborate. <laughs> oh, um, well, one sentence, fast pitch. Um, there's a dialogue section, and I think um, like the fourth section of this game, uh, the sequence, I think is what this game calls it, where um, if you talk to someone um, who's listening to music long enough, these people who don't speak back to you, um, you start quoting from the Hamilton musical. Oh my God, seriously? <laughs> Am I the only one who got this? Like, I, right yeah, no, I, got, I got the trophy or the achievement, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, like I, I think the achievement is called like, don't throw away your shot or something. Like, <laughs> for those who have heard the musical, um, you know. And I'm not throwing away my yeah, shot. Yeah, like, just like my country, young, and scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away. Like, like that's actually part of the dialogue. So, Oh, my gosh, really? We're off to I have a good to go start back. here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. So it sounds like only half of us got all the achievements. <laughs> wow. Okay, maybe uh, this game is more complex than I gave it credit for. Uh, who wants to go next? I have a bad one. Yes, please. I insist. <laughs> AI chatbot, the video game. <laughs> Respectable. Yeah. Good. Good. Uh, Scott, do you want to go next? Uh, it's an hour and a half long dialogue tree where at the end, none of it matters anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just wrote, um, it's an Asimov. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a short film based on Asimov's three rules. And mine is way worse. Scott, I should have ended with you. <laughs> but, Wait, um, actually, though, like, is that... A literary backstory to what this game is i think that the the characters are dictated uh like they're ruled by asimov's three laws of robotics i know they they mentioned it offhand a yeah few it times. came up but i didn't yeah. know if that was formally like the cause and effect of the lore here no i i think it's just like there's a lore? throwaway notion yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay well, let's talk about the setup and then we can share our thoughts um, we've mentioned it. It's kind of a dialogue tree, but a video game. Uh, Biffle calls it a Biffle short. Um, but for those of you who want to get a visualization of what it is, it's a third. It's kind of a third-person, three-dimensional adventure game um, where you don't really walk around, where characters come to you and you you converse with them. Um, it is in the future where techs, robots have um, taken a central place in society. I think this game's functionality is dialogue puzzler sort of like text adventure like you say but like specifically the thing that this game does is it introduces very basic mechanics right on like with these things called focus points 
where you listen and you pick up little key details out of conversations, and then you're able to use those key details to unlock other parts of conversations in that dialogue tree, expanding it rather dramatically over the course of the game. Like you start off with a one-on-one -on -one conversation, but by the end you have like up to four other characters in this little like subway car with you. So I think that's probably important to the imagination of what's going on here. And then um, like you suggest, like characters come in and out of the train. So like at any given point in time, you will be talking to a cast of characters that sort of rotates throughout a sequence. Um, you're not like locked in from beginning to end each individual chapter. So when you first jumped in, you again, take control of one character who qu starts to question people around them. They are detective. You choose a name. Uh, what names did y'all choose? I need to know. It's a very important detail. <laughs> I think I, I just went with, went with like Theta One or something. I went with um, James because I thought it was just a funny name for a robot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went Beta instead of Theta. So I was Beta One One. Flora, did, did you pick the fourth name? All right. So yeah, I picked Claire. And, nice. And not just because like, you know, the only female option there, but also how many of us have played Thomas was alone? No, I've not. Am I the only one who's played Thomas alone on the panel? Yeah, I think so, it. yeah. because it's in the same universe. This game Whoa. is compared to Thomas is alone, right? That is astonishing. So secondary question, is this the first Bithel game any of you have played? Yes. Well, so yes for Scott. Like No. No, because it was, what was, John Wick Hex's Bithel, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, that yeah, makes sense. That. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay, so Thomas Was Alone strikes me as the most obvious entry point to any of the Bithel games. Um, and so that's rather astonishing considering I believe that's his most commercially successful game that none of you would have, have played that game. But the reason I ask is because this name Claire evokes a character from that game. So it's oh. also like a reference. This game is tied in universe to that other game, the earlier hmm. 2012 Thomas Was Alone. I want to say 2012. Um, but yeah, Claire right. just immediately reminded me of like, oh, there's this like really important character from this other game. So um, that's why I chose that. Hmm. At one point, they there's one of the characters in the game actually does like a lore dump of Thomas was alone, yes. I believe as well. Yeah, it's like a shaman character in chapter five, I want to say it's mm -hmm. really close to the end. And there's a soldier and like a priest who come onto the train at the same time. And if you choose, if you elect to listen to this lore dump, it, the achievement is tied to, like, no exaggeration, 1,500 words worth of lore dump. Like, oh like sitting there for, like, seven, eight minutes, yep. just auto-scrolling on the fastest of speeds. Um, just listening to, I believe, copy-pasted dialogue, or, or narration, <laughs> rather, from Thomas Was Alone. It's, mm -hmm. it's all stuff I've seen before, read before, and was familiar with, but it does not... I, I really worried... I thought it was going to dump the whole game on me. It dumped like the first like third of it or something like the first act or two. So um, oh my gosh. still because a very Thomas long was alone time. features like one of the things of that game is narration mm -hmm. from uh, Danny Wallace, I believe is the, I think the name right. of the, the British actor. Um, but that's like a core piece of that game, right? Yeah. The narration brings that text to life for sure. Like if you played that game on mute, you would not be playing the game as intended or even like at nearly its best. So um, there's even a joke to that effect. Um, I want to say, I forget who says it, but um, it might be the priest or it might be the like Biffle bot after the credits. You unlock like a director's mm -hmm. commentary character who will like narrate the scenes to you. Um, but either way, I forget which direction the information comes from, but like it pokes fun at the fact that like, oh, this text ne isn't nearly as interesting without that, like, you know, enlivening sort of voice actor and the music mm -hmm. and the middling puzzles. I think it literally says. 
Uh, if you want to hear more about Bithel games, we covered John Wick Hex earlier this year, so go through the feed, check that out. Um, I also play Solitaire Conspiracy, and I think that's a great like card game as well. So hard recommend there. Uh, Bethel's working on a Tron game, I think next. Oh, so interesting. we'll see what that looks Tron like this Infinite, year. Infinite, I think, or mm-hmm. something like that. I believe so. Oh, cool. Um, so <coughs> we covered the setup. Uh, you're a detective. Um, from there, you start to unravel a mystery. Does anyone want to like grab the mystery and, and start to unravel that? Yeah. Go ahead, Travis. So um, essentially, you there's a tech that is sitting across from you, and you it's only you and the other tech at the beginning, and uh, you start speaking to them, and you're trying to figure out how the game works at the same time. Um, and essentially, this other tech informs you that their friend is missing, um, and you're a detective uh, like bot, and you're not able to really take cases beyond the scope of what is assigned to you. Um, but in this case, you, you kind of choose to uh, take on the case, even though it's not been assigned. So you, uh, using this idea of like, okay. Your this person has disappeared, and you learn that there's more disappearances, and it kind of tr- keeps going down that <laughs> rabbit hole of you keep using those focus points because you get a focus point of um, disappearances, and you try to use that to then gather more information as you keep going further and further along into the game. So that's kind of like the initial setup: is this bot has a friend that is missing, and you want to figure out why. Um, and they're essentially looking at you because you have a higher level of intelligence. They make a point of saying this, um, that you have a higher level of intelligence closer to that of a human, um, whereas this bot um, doesn't, isn't able to think more critically, I would say, uh, about situations. So they need you to kind of search for them because they can't really think these things through themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's when, like, the themes of subservience and, you know, uh, different levels of intelligence come out. Mm -hmm. I think it was, uh, Flora, you made a joke when we started about elite energy. (laughs) Um, There is an advertising bot that I think is incredibly funny. Um, I don't know if anyone here chuckled as hard as I did. I thought Um, of you, like, immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Because I would program the advertising bot? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Marketing man is me. Yeah. but was there anything like immediately when the the world opened up theme thematically that you were you were drawn to? Um, maybe Scott, was there anything that really surprised you when you when you jumped in? I thought it was interesting, and I and I like the premise behind behind the, this pro this program this this uh, project and being constrained to and relegated to only the train car I thought was interesting mm-hmm. and um, kind of the, all the different various texts that you encounter and that you have to interact with. I thought that was interesting. And some of the things they set up were, were pretty interesting. Um, uh, like you mean the, the broader world, right? Yeah. Uh, that I, I wish we got a bit more info of or in, in different ways, but I, I'll mm-hmm. say about that. Yeah, you're making a lot of, like, you're inferring a lot based on, like, just little tidbits that they say. Like, you hear a little bit about, um, like, Mm -hmm. human versus tech violence. You hear a little bit about, like, okay, uh, talk about strange occurrences that are happening. You're talking a little bit about um, this organization that is coming out that is very anti-tech. And it's, I I mean, it's evocative of a lot of things in real life at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. And so you can use that as a as a you know a really good jumping point
point for for discussion and conversation how this futurist i mean good sci-fi does this right it takes current real world issues and it puts them in a weird strange setting and lets you look at it at from a, a metaphorical kind of point of view and it's it lets you kind of stew on it a little bit if you want yeah i think what travis just said is something that i want to ask you all about which is like there's this parallel narrative going on with the techs and their sort of marginalized role in society. Quite literally, they are pushed underground in the society in most cases. Um, there's a question of their humanity, like with scare quotes around that, and to what degree they are granted that based on the role they serve in society through their class, like the sort of job they serve as. Um, there's these like discussions that seem evocative of issues like immigration, perhaps, like knowing that Mike Bithell from the UK who has very progressive politics made this game. Um, I feel like I'm reading into the sort of subtext of this game and like all of the things that in the modern day or 2017, I want to say is when this game was published. Um, I can see Mike Bithell just doing the pointer finger at at various (laughs) headlines and various newspapers. Um, To what degree did you all pick up on those vibes? And am I reading too much into all of those things? No, I don't think that I that you're reading into it. I, I just I, I guess I didn't connect it to the timeline if I'm or the the time where it came out. So the, again, this game came out in August of 2017. So Trump would have been elected. Uh, Brexit would have just happened. And so a UK game developer to make a game about like class warfare, immigration, like wink nod. Um, Tying it to the time, I think, is really important because there are games that you know uh, you you can immediately connect to, um, like immigration like and Papers, Brexit please. and Trump, like Papers Please, and then Mike Rose published a game to oh, it was uh, the the Brexit version of of Papers Please, um, that I'm gonna look up while we while we talk about this. But um, it's good to connect it to the time period because I immediately just thought of like um, literary works li- like. I robot and there's some uh, there's a Canadian novelist that writes a lot about like AI and robots taking off uh, taking on personalities and I just played uh, Citizen Sleeper so yeah. you know my mm-hmm. mind kind of went to that a little bit so good to connect it to the time but I'm talking a lot did uh, did any of you connect it to the time Scott or Travis I didn't think back to like yeah. 2017 specifically but I definitely did like just thematically kind of I don't think Flora's reading into it at all like you can literally tie these things whereas like like you could you could tie it to anything really as long yeah. as like you have a marginalized like community you can kind of see where these things can kind of link together right and uh I mean you can I mean you can do that with almost anything at this point but if uh you look at how this game kind of takes these robots and treats them like they're less than people but if you're kind of like no they are people and they like it depends i guess on how what level of you believe like ai is is that its own thing is that just their program to do what we do like it, you can take that into account or you can just completely eliminate all of the like robot aspects of it and just view it as like people versus people and then i think you can tie it to almost any time period i didn't think back to like when did this game come out i just thought more like uh, just generally and also like how, what's going on right now and like what you could kind of tie things to easily right uh floor of the game was not tonight was the game that we were thinking of yeah thank you yeah um scott i sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no i think i i definitely didn't tie it to the t- times i feel like a lot of the themes that they portrayed in the world at large in this game 
have been done a lot. Like, I feel like they're very anticipated and just kind of par for the course when you deal with a robot worker society and humans living in the same world, not killing each other. Um, I think the whole argument on servitude and and all that, I think it just, it was a very safe uh, world. At least from what they presented, it didn't strike me as, I thought the varying levels of intelligence or allowed intelligence was a really interesting take. Um, that's something I haven't really seen or experienced in other kinds of science fiction media al- along these lines. But I think the rest of it was very... I've, I've seen it before. Hmm. Um, yeah, there's... there's so. your, yeah, there's a ton of, like, that kind of stuff in media, right? Like, the these AIs want to be treated as more than just robots, right? You see that a lot. You yeah. see, I mean, an obvious example is like Detroit Become Human is like that yeah, whole game is that, right? Yeah. Like, um, that and then like, or, or like even in movies, Bicentennial Man, ex- ex- it's the exact yeah. same kind of thing, right? <laughs> I it's robot. That movie. Yeah, you could argue Wally is like ex- that, you Literally, know? <laughs> yeah. There's all those. So it's been done before. So I guess yeah. it depends. And I do agree the the different levels of intelligence in the robots and how do you kind of parse that is more is pretty interesting but it didn't dive into it i mean you got a two-hour game so it really didn't dive into like the themes that deeply it's it it is pretty surface level on that on that part the the levels of intelligence was was interesting i think another piece that was really interesting or thread that i like to pull is the fact that uh certain levels of intelligence can essentially um get into the core programming of like lesser intelligent texts. Uh, so with a, with a, essentially an access code, you can take away the surface level personality of a robot or a tech and just get down to their core programming to ask questions. Um, I thought that was really interesting because uh, clearly it seemed like the detective techs are not supposed to use that like power, but as the player, you essentially get to assert your dominance um, over some of the lesser techs to get information that you need. Yeah, and I think that the sort of power dynamics that this game wants to play with are maybe the centerpiece of what's interesting dramatically about the storytelling. Um, Whereas the more like societal level existential questions about like there are some meditations on like when robots replace the former purpose fulfilling activities of humans, like are they really helping out humans or are they actually hurting them because no longer do they have ways to like meet those existential needs? Like, uh, yes, I've encountered that in other fiction as well. It's kind of like what you all are saying. Um, but, but I did find that the focus, um, I, I think that like the lore and the commentary on society stuff was more of like ambient to the story for me. Whereas the dialogue puzzling itself really became the the focus point for me, pardon the pun, with the actual mechanic. Like, I think that where I was hooked on this game was when I was navigating between characters and trying to, like, use the information that I'm getting from somebody else to influence another conversation that I'm having. Um, There's a late game conversation between two sort of, like, security guard characters where one is an emotional regulator and the other one is completely reactive to the emotional regulation. And that was something that I cannot think that I've been, like in any sort of text adventure or adventure game format run into before. And because of that, I I really started thinking about like the importance of like symbiotic human relationships and to what degree we are ourselves when other people are emotionally reassuring us. And like, those are maybe some like secondary order thoughts rather than immediately present in the game. But those are some kind of like things that stuck out to me. I don't know. Travis. 
Oh, no, yeah, I was just going to say I loved that sequence with the, pretty much the emotional support tech was for the the one cop is the, the one detective is essentially there to investigate and the other one is is designed to take the brunt of the emotional parts of it. So you're manipulating that one's emotions to then get more information out of the actual detective. I've never seen anything like that before. And I think that's really mm-hmm. interesting. Um, and yeah, it does kind of, like, like you were saying, it, it, the whole game does have like, you know, it's general themes that you kind of see, but I did find the idea, like it does play with the idea of freedom and how much you're allowed to do because it does have, you see a tourist bot that comes in at one point and uh, I believe she says something along the lines of uh, you're like, oh, oh, you're a free society essentially, right? Where she was, oh, right. She was still had ownership. Someone still owned her. And you as a detective, you're like, that's not allowed anymore. And she's like, oh no, where I'm from, you can still own tech. Here you guys, their version of uh, freedom is really just Slavery. the state owns you instead and tells yeah. you what to do and all these things. I found that to be actually really interesting, right? It it very much played on the idea of like, okay, yeah, you have your freedom. It, it's quote unquote freedom, but really you're just doing all that we want you to do and we can reprogram you at any time and we can make you mm-hmm. spew out marketing things like constantly if we want to. Yeah. And it's interesting that you had to then you know, kind of maneuver your way around the system that has been designed to control these texts in order to get the actual information that you're looking for. Um, yeah. So it, it, it is kind of fun how you had to circumvent the, the things that this, the management team has uh, prevented you from doing. I actually think that might be my least favorite part of the game slash oh, yeah. lore is the evocation of real world countries. Like as in the fact mm. that like, these territories still are existent and sort of governed in similar ways to the way they are right now, despite these unfathomable upheavals of societal structures and technology. Um, Scott, I want to know if, if any of that like worked for you or didn't like all of the sort of real world stuff, or did you take note of that? I I didn't really take notice of it. It it was definitely interesting, but I, I think by that point I was kind of, I was intrigued by the the mystery that was kind of set it up, but in terms mm-hmm. of like the argument of um, like using the code to activate or basically force other bots to tell you like what they know, it, there's no choice. Like mm-hmm. you can't right. fail this game, and right. I, I I that is my biggest issue with this game. I feel like it removes the moral dilemma. It could have been a really interesting moral dilemma that you have to task yourself if you need to balance, do I force this tech to tell me what he pot- it potentially knows? Right. Or do I stay on the high ground? No, I'm not supposed to. No, I don't want to take this tech's like, free will away just to try and continue my investigation. Visual novels and like, adventure point-and-click games are very much not my thing. But I I would love to read a book, like a book version of this. Yes, yes, totally. Yeah, this is the barest bones definition of a game for me. Like I, it's hard for me to rationalize that it's a game. I think it's a good pitch for a good story. The fact that you can't fail, the fact that at the end you. Basic, regardless of the investigation, you've been working so far to get the investigation. You've been like reassigned, whatnot, and it all comes down to just 
a dude comes onto the train, you convince him you're a priest, and he just blatantly explains what's going on. <laughs> he just verbatim, it's like, oh yeah, we're doing this. I feel bad about it. And then the next sequence is the end, and then you get the choice. So it's like you have all these segments leading up to where you're trying to put things together. You're 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 using this code to take away the free will to get your answers. You're doing this investigation only for it all to wind up with a tech just coming on the train and telling it to you flat out. If I could have failed this game, if I could have chased a, a wrong lead right. or something, this would be so much more powerful for me. But for what it's worth, the first five or six sequences are pointless to just if you're just going to give me the information. And that's when I was just like, this is bullshit. <laughs> and it was just, <laughs> what's the point of having me investigate if you're just going to tell me everything? Yeah. Yeah. And it just bummed me out because I like the aesthetic. I love the idea of being locked to the train. I wish I could have actually gotten up and like moved around the train. But the sequence being tied to having to, even if there was a timing feature where you had like five minutes before the next stop where some of the text would get off and you would lose that information. Like that, there's hmm. no sense of urgency if things progress only once you go through all the possible options of the dialogue in all the different ones with every character to put together the pieces. Oh, okay, you've completed that. Now everyone gets off the train. A new batch comes in and you have to do it all over again. If there was a sense of that that moral conundrum do i use the code the the timing aspect okay i have to choose really carefully what leads i want to settle on because there there stops coming up and i only have a few questions mm-hmm. it, it, if i had any of that or even have like go from one train car to the other maybe something changes or there's other people something to make it to give me a sense of choice. And I don't know if this is yeah. just some metaphysical thing that's supposed to like, it's all an illusion because they're on a train and trains can only go on a single track. Like trains are stuck on the oh. track they're going. And oh, I don't yeah. know if I'm just I pulling that one. That. I don't know if I'm just pulling that one on my butt because I was I know, trying to find I love something <laughs> to, to, to warrant the design decision between this, like this lack of any choice or urgency or consequence. I don't know, but it's just, I would have loved this as a book, and it just kind of makes me angry as a game. <laughs> so you're, you're mad that Mike Bithel wrote a Scooby-Doo episode. I think that's what it is. <laughs> that essentially the person who introduces the crime, this is spoilers for the end of the game, I guess. The person that introduces the crime is actually like the gunman, if you will. It's a real like Chekhov's gunman situation. See, that doesn't even bother me. <laughs> It's the fact that I don't get to find that out on my own, yes. and it just is presented to me. There's no, like, reveal a mask, and it's the, the dude that gave you the case on the beginning. It's just, like, <laughs> he walks on the train, and it's like, it was me Bye. the whole time. It's yeah. like, you better say, I wish I could have figured that out. You um, didn't have the opportunity to I, even get it wrong. Right. Like, that's the thing. Like, you... Mm. I. And I Totally, I actually totally agree thinking about it. Like, it, it, I think it would have been a lot more compelling if you were able to 
follow those wrong leads or make those moral choices because it presents you with a lot of like moral conundrums, but right. I guess you don't really get the chance to do too much of it. But I think that that specifically like the game hints at possibly maybe earlier in development that would have given you some opportunities to be mm-hmm. mistaken, like about the red tech that we hear about in this game and whether or not this red tech is truly responsible for these disappearances that you're investigating. Like some people confirm to you that oh yeah they really think that the mm-hmm. red tech is responsible some other people say oh no it that doesn't line up with the timeline this this red tech only got involved a few weeks after these disappearances therefore that's a bad theory like if there were some genuine pardon the pun again red herrings as far as this sort of <laughs> investigation goes um i i think that that could be compelling and while scott was talking i was thinking about like maybe if there was some sort of mass effect system of like paragon renegade like going on here where every time that you use this code to like strip down someone's personality that steers you far to the like the red zone of things like don't do that um and every time that you ignore that and potentially don't get as much information as you might otherwise um even though you're taking a more noble mm-hmm. path you may be advanced forward with fewer options and dialogue moving forward like that could be really compelling as well so as i'm listening to you all sort of like critique what is presented here i i do think that everything that's been said so far um could potentially make this a more compelling package the only thing i would maybe say just to play devil's mm-hmm. advocate and defend it for a second is i don't know um i'm gonna ask you first um, did anyone here go through any of the developers' commentary after the credits? I didn't. I went play through it. it. Yeah, fair, fair. I was just curious because I got. No, I, got I 100%. checked it out, but I I just like went through and I did like the first chapter. Yeah. And I just like saw what the mechanic was. I was honestly, and I don't know why, expecting audio commentary. Me too. But then actually, realized, like, oh, Bithel's just. I, a bot, I wish so. it was because Bithel's voice is great. Agreed. Um, I guess I didn't go through all the game. Did you spend a lot of time with it, Flora? No, I didn't. But the reason I ask is because they talked about the development cycle of this game and why Mm. this game was made in the first place and how long it took. Like, this was a game where in between major projects, as they were seeking funding, they decided, well, our developing team doesn't really have anything to do. Let's make something with, like, the tiny window of time we have right now before we move on to the next project that we get funding for. And so this is the bite-sized little thing they came up with. And so all of those limitations and all the shortcomings that we're lamenting here, I think are immediately like probably acknowledged by the dev team of like, oh yeah, no, we just, we had like a a month or like three months or whatever to make this thing. Uh, Whereas if they had a proper budget or a proper time scale, maybe they would have done some of those cooler uh, things. Yeah. The scope of what they wanted to do was apparently not all of that because they weren't planning on doing that, I guess. Yeah, like one person made all of the code stuff for the dialogue system. Interesting. Pretty huge yeah. ask for somebody considering there's hundreds oh, of choices yeah. in the game. Yeah. Um, hundreds of choices. I guess I have a hypothetical question, I'll, and I'll, I'll ask it to Scott first. Would you preferred that this game was actually more linear? Like if you were given the option to say, this is a 45-minute short that you experience and there's no binary choice that doesn't matter at the end, would you have preferred that? I think it would depend on the gameplay. Would I have wanted a 45-minute dialogue tree where there's only (laughs) one option at the end compared to an hour and a half long where there's two? I just... I wish it let me be a detective. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. play as a detective, but you never... At the end of the game, when credits roll, you aren't... You didn't get 
to be that detective, I feel like. Mm. And in terms of, like, using the Turing code, the people, like, right when you use it, they'll comment on it. But then if you switch to off of them and come back, it's like they, they don't respond. Like, there's... Yeah, it's... There's no, like, consequence for Right, they, for they mention it. it once, and then it's just like, okay, what's going on, you know? Yeah. Um, I... I honest, I guess, I think the biggest kind of surprise I genuinely enjoyed was finding out what the the non-talking texts were for. I thought like that they were in essence spies listening to what you were saying. Um, You're talking about the musical, like the ones yeah, that jamming the out to like, yeah, yeah, okay. I thought that was cool. That oh, sorry, they didn't respond to you. They were listening and keeping tabs on what you were talking about. I was like. I wasn't I didn't see that coming. And that was like a kind of a cool reveal that I was curious about and I was fine with them just flat out saying what it was that I didn't have to necessarily discover it. But it's just like I want let me be a detective. Yeah. <laughs> just on that one note, um that's probably I imagine why I'm the only one who found the Hamilton dialogue here because uh um, oh, if found you it. talk to them. Oh, you, oh sorry. Um when you talk to them they specifically like you just get ellipses in response, mm-hmm. you get nothing. And so it. I imagine it trains the player right off the bat, just ignore a character if they have headphones on. Uh, whereas for some weird, stubborn reason, I kept thinking, if I do talk to these people, I'm going to get something eventually. Yeah. And I mean, I got an Easter egg, which was cool, uh, and an achievement, which was attached to one of those Easter eggs for the Hamilton one. Yeah. But like, um, I, I, I did think, like, suspiciously, why are these characters present here like more and more frequently? I I had no theory on why they were mm-hmm. there, but having that tiny little reveal at the end, I I also found satisfying. I thought that was a cool way to explain like this was a plant and yeah. they just couldn't engage with you for you know story reasons. I totally I talked to them in the first section, but you, you know how you mentioned Scott about like if there was a timer for how much how much time you had before the next stop that they had to. First, my brain thought there kind of was one. So, like, I was already kind of, like, kind of speeding through mm-hmm. some of these conversations because some texts did get up and leave, and I thought, I didn't even talk to you yet. Or, like, was I done talking to that one? Like, I guess I was in terms of, you know, the story. Pres- I didn't miss anything. Yeah. But I was uh, once I realized they weren't going to answer me, I was like, no, I can't waste any time talking to these headphone ones because I don't expect them to answer, and I can't possibly wait for like a mm-hmm. lead to, to disappear so i i assumed there was a timing like a timer kind of going on where especially because i think early on you have to tell one of the i think that tourist one again that you have to tell them a stop that they need to get off of and i thought oh if you tell them the wrong stop maybe they stay on the train longer and yeah. you get yeah. more information out of them but then i guess it really didn't matter you know what i mean no like, they just tell you no i don't think that's right and right. then you just go down the list there's no wait really yeah they'll just like are you sure about that i guess yeah. i got that click, right just click the no next one it. i no, looked I at the map so. and i did the like i counted click. the amount of stops before that one i gave her the right answer <laughs> because yeah. well we're kind of talking about like is there like a morality scale here and like even at the beginning when you say hi to the initial um first tech you kind of have a few options of like a nice yeah. hello a, a rude hello and i thought oh i'm gonna play this nice because i figured jacob would probably play it rude and then wow <laughs> Wow, you've really got that. He typically does. 
yeah, I, I live my life as a nice guy, and then I'm just like in video games. It's renegade time, baby. Yeah. So I thought maybe there's like so you know I want to get more information, so you know you catch more bees with honey kind of sense, right? But. Uh, also, I guess that didn't matter because you probably could have chosen any number of, you know, greetings and it wouldn't have mattered in terms of how you got a response back or whether or not you found more information, which so maybe I had just this idea in my head about like the things that I missed because I only really went through the game once. I didn't replay it. Mm -hmm. I played on my switch, so I didn't have achievements to go like try to get because there yeah. was no achievements there's no achievements on switch obviously so um i just i played through it once and then once i found out that that was the end of the game i looked up to see like if there was multiple endings and when i saw that there was only like the two choices at the end then i was like well i don't feel the need to go through it i've seen the whole story right so that makes me want to ask um how well this game translated to the switch um because i started playing on my steam deck and mm -hmm. impossible it, it, it's like a partially supported game you can only use one input on the controller touch the screen is so tiny that it's like irritating to even use your finger to touch screen or like a stylus so i re i installed it on my pc and played it actually today with a mouse because that felt just way more precise um i i, I don't know like if they made porting efforts for the Switch in a way that would make it more, like, agreeable to that compact form. But, like, did that work well in that medium for you? Do you think that, like, was a good fit? Yeah. Actually, I've, I've had no issues with it whatsoever. Like, you just cool. you use the joystick to kind of move around, select your, your options for words. You had all your um, keywords at the bottom. You could open up the map at any time. Uh, the It did a little bit of uh, interesting stuff with the... Because um, I was playing in handheld mode. So mm -hmm. you could, like, kind of just ever so slightly look around, tilt it, oh, tilt cool. the screen yeah. around oh, and cool. look kind of a little bit around the screen. So they did some stuff for porting it over, which was interesting. It almost sounds like they should have taken some of the Switch tech. And again, this is a, a, a five-year-old game at this point, And yeah. I don't know how much it's supported, you know, given the Steam Deck just come out. There's work involved. I did the same thing you did, Flora, where I immediately went to my Steam Deck and said, oh, I bought this for $1.33 during a Steam sale because I knew we were playing it. Open it on Steam Deck. And anytime you get that overlay that's like, hey, you're going to need to zoom. I'm like, then I'm going to yeet the heck out of this game. <laughs> uh, played it on PC. Yeah. Did not, did not, uh, one recommendation, do not play it on Steam Deck. But again, <laughs> maybe they'll patch in support at some point, but yeah, not I great on like Steam Deck. On Steam Deck. It's on iOS as well, but I don't know, Scott, did you play it on PC, Switch? I did Steam Deck, fully on Steam Deck. Really? Oh, okay, <laughs> how did you do it? Because I couldn't. I just used the joystick, and when I didn't feel like doing joystick, I just tapped on the answers. Hmm. Okay. I maybe guess. we're prima donnas for Steam Deck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have more patience than, than I do, Scott. Um, I think it's, I think the one thing that we've kind of danced around that I'd love to just explicitly like train around to is talking about like the, the denouement and then the, how the game ends. Uh, you essentially get wiped because, you know, investigators come around and they're like, uh, Hey, you're doing things you shouldn't. You're investigating something that you were told not to. So you essentially get wiped and are told that you are going to be reprogrammed. Um, and then that's when the, the, the end of the game kind of unravels. The end is uh, you're investigating disappearances. Uh, red tech is possibly behind them. And uh, you start to learn that, hey, it actually isn't techs being taken. It's that, you know, there's now overproduction that's happening and that there is a rogue group of people that has taken that overproduction very slowly and started to yeet those techs you know <laughs> outside the city gathering eight that i don't know why yeets the word of the day today but <laughs> eight thousand eight thousand of them in a group that are going to challenge management 
uh, and try and, you know, cause a revolution that will up upend the social constructs that are happening now. Um, is Did I miss any key details in there? No, I think you're good. Like, essentially, it... it you end up getting the choice of, so you get the reveal that the initial robot that came to you telling them, telling you that they were, their friend was missing, uh, was actually the red tech in the first place. Yeah. And they sent you on this, um, this, uh, investigative, uh, kind of thing to go find out. They want you to make the decision for them, essentially. Mm-hmm. Kind of. It's more like they, they okay, kind of like I mentioned earlier, you have a higher level of intelligence than they do. So they wanted you to make the decision as to whether or not they should keep going with this revolution um, and overthrow the, you know, the, the management that are already there and essentially instate the tech as the leaders so all of the humans can do the jobs that they love they can enjoy their life because right now humans are feeling very irrelevant because techs are doing all of their work they're, they they have no jobs no nothing um yeah. and then or you can decide so that solution is uh you know you can either upload all this information to management let them know that hey this revolution is going to happen um and stop them if you want to. And by killing Red Tech and saying, okay, yep, I'm going to stop this revolution. I'm going to give all this information to management. And I want to maintain the status quo as because things are good as they are right now. Or do I decide to shoot myself? Because if I don't shoot myself, I'm going to upload the information as soon as I leave this train automatically to management. So in order to not do that and let the revolution go forward, you have to kill yourself instead of killing the Red Tech. So you kind of represent with those two choices at the very end. And, and and you get a lot of like how each of those scenarios would maybe play out going forward. Like what may happen given the choice that you make. I don't know about y'all, but I didn't like either of these choices. I... Because I felt like there wasn't a clear like, which again, I, I appreciated that there wasn't a clear, hey, this choice is the good choice and this choice is the bad choice. It's really like... Hey, do you want to put AI at the head of the state where like they are like the smartest techs are now going to be in charge? Maybe that's a simple way to think about it. Or do you just want this really bad way that society is set up to to keep going? I guess I would have appreciated more like in the margin or more choice. Um, Flora, I don't, I don't know if you agree. I felt like the choice was kind of natural and it followed where my instincts were going with this narrative anyway i mean partially like my politics probably informed that conclusion but also like when you look at the percentage choices on steam at least of those who mm-hmm. chose the revolution option where you create a new world versus the reevaluation ending where you protect your world so to speak the disparity is kind of astonishing for a game of this like size like if you're going to 100% this game, you're probably going to go for all the achievements or endings and like it's going to be really like straightforward. It took me 85 minutes to get everything in this game, and so it's not a huge ask. And yet, Revolution Ending has 48.3% of players, and Reevaluation has 271 so huh. like 15 to 20 per, uh, sorry 21 percent. i can't where's math. the rest of the um, percent yeah i was gonna say they turned the- <laughs> well that that's who got it so that to me says like oh. two-thirds of the people chose revolution and one-third chose like status quo oh i yeah. was like the other percentage is the people that yeeted the game out the <laughs> yeah, window yeah, yeah, and yeah. said nope then not you finishing the this who are like yeah. no just kidding <laughs> no yeah it's like this is just dialogue tree 
Yeah. I can understand bouncing off this game for sure. Um, Be a good book, though. That's like, there's there's cool stuff here. Just. Mm hmm. Comic book. Yes! <laughs> yeah. Don't give me a You want the subsurface. Choice. Yeah, you want the subsurface cinematic universe. That's what you want. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Sure. You want like, the I, would, I would go see this movie. It'd be like, yeah, you know, one of those anime. very, like, artsy, like, you know, go to Cannes Film Sundance Festival or whatever, and it's just like. <laughs> A single shot. It's like, oh, it's, it's got art film all the stuff written over it. It's like a single yeah. train car, just a grizzled detective talking to people, trying to figure things out. Total, like, low-budget artsy film all over this, but with robots. You want Fruitvale Station, but this game. I don't get that <laughs> reference, but sure. <laughs> it's uh, Michael B. Jordan and... Um, I don't even know this. Uh, it's yeah, it's Michael B. Jordan's first big film, and it was the director who did um, the Black Panther movies. Coogler, Ryan Coogler. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm being a snob today. No, that's fine. I'm Professor RPG, not Professor Sundance. <laughs> hey, hey, got him. But anyone else want to want to jump in on the choice? Yeah, I can give mine. I uh, yeah. so I I did veer towards the revolution uh i i felt like the game was it felt like maybe i was just kind of going that way anyways just mentally i was like yeah revolution get rid of this because it also it it felt like the game was presenting to me like this is what the humans want as well it's not just that they the humans want to instate the tech as the ones managing everything because they want them to run the state like I would assume like without corruption and like actually following their pro like their programs and they're doing what they're supposed to be doing so that the people of the, that are left can do the things that they love. Right. My, my brain goes to like, you know, Star Trek and it's far in the future and people go to school cause they want to, and they go and they get jobs and do things because they want to, not because they have to sur- have to do it to survive. Right. Like it's, it gave me those kind of vibes of like, okay, these robots want to do something they they want to and right now they're doing a lot of jobs that they're being you know yes they have quote-unquote freedom but essentially they don't and humans are feeling replaced and have no motivation and have no place in society and they're taking their hate and their anger out on these texts um kind of plays on the immigration aspect a little bit there too with it right so it it it's this this idea that these robots are these robots are coming in and stealing our jobs and it's that kind of vibe and you see that in the in, in the choices that you're making and I'm like but it's interesting because uh, it specifically says there's a there's a line in there that says um, in fairness these humans make um, versus any culture previously of hu- of humanity they made the choice to actually go against the the people in charge and not the quote unquote invader as opposed, you know, we see that nowadays, right. As opposed to going against those that are causing the problem, they go against those that are the, the invader, the one that is, you know, but in reality, no, we all want the same thing. Let's direct our attention towards the people who are actually responsible. And that's kind of where my brain was going. And so that's why I was like, yeah, okay, I'll die for this. So I, uh, (laughs) Boom, shot myself. But like what's end. interesting for for the stars, I I think it would have been really interesting if they had like 
a human come on the train and you could get get hmm. that perspective. Mm. I think that could have been interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you're the only whole, given that information from another tech. Right. But like the whole let's take down the management, let's take down the man, it still involves just humans telling techs, I want you to kill people. So it's like the techs are mm-hmm. still doing what they're ordered to. So is that really breaking the system where they don't I didn't get it. I was just like, hey, that's a cool looking gun. Reminded me of It's actually an interesting idea, though. That's like actually an interesting, you know, is that them breaking the system or is that them creating just another system? And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, it'd be really cool if the game kind of delved farther into that, too. If if we had the, the, you know, the runway to be able to to do that in this in a bigger in a bigger version of this game that could do more, maybe. So it's like. Yeah, there's. I, I really dig the premise. I think there's a lot of cool premise and kind of things there. I just bounced off this delivery of yeah. said premise and material. Yeah. And I think that's that's okay. So, yeah. so okay. I want people's final thoughts, but in the final thoughts, yes. I also want to know, we've talked about other mediums where we would love to see this universe. I would love to know either a if you got a sequel what you'd want to see in it and there is a sequel to this game called quarantine circular um that came out a year afterwards but let's say you were making a direct sequel to this game um what would you want to see or what piece of media do you want to see like subsurface circular go into comic anime tv show um give me your final thoughts and then the answer to that question uh i'll start because i proposed it um I liked this game, but much like everyone here, I think what I appreciated is the world that was being built. Like, again, this is entirely this kind of story I love where we're talking about a, a world where we have a, you know, robotic society. Any Anyone who, who brings up Asimov, I'm in. And so uh, I would love to see a direct sequel to this game. Um, or even just an anime version of like this story where we get more about the world around it. I guess there is an anime like this called Cyberpunk, the one that just came out on Netflix. It's different. I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, who wants to jump in now? <laughs> um, Go, Flora. I, I, I think that <laughs> I'm very happy with this as a video game. I really don't rub up against the issues, though I think they are fair that we've talked about here as far as interactivity, lack of choice, lack of stakes and failure conditions and stuff. Um, I think that I would be most excited to see some iteration of this story or universe in a sort of like Animatrix style, if that reference lands for those of you, like where... Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Or, or mm-hmm. even like yep. right now, my favorite game, Nier Automata, is getting an anime ad- adaptation. And episode one was like a one-to-one shot-for-shot remake episode two was like a short story that was just com- almost completely unrelated and i really vibe with stories that flesh out a universe but don't retread material mm-hmm. um I-, I find almost no value in something that just shows the same story but through a different like lens or medium or whatever and so for this game i think if you can show me a bunch of short stories like in a collection like in a graphic novel format or even like a couple like like four to six like anime episodes or something like that. I think that I would be most excited to see this game repurposed that way. As for my general final thoughts on this game and like w- whether or not it worked for me, I I personally don't have a lot of complaints. I loved that it was short and sweet. The brevity worked strongly for me because I think as a rule, video games are too long. Yes. Um, I don't think this is the best 
written game or the best paced game I've played in forever or anything like that. But the moment to moment delivery worked really well for me in the sense that like whether it was the lore dump of Thomas was alone or the Hamilton reference or just the overall like like I really we didn't talk about this at all, but the intro cutscene cinematic where there's like music vibing and so instrumentally good. and like the headphone yep. guys who are jamming out head nodding in the car with you the whole time. There's always just a little bit of electronica going on. There there's so many things like that that just clicked with me. The decision to only voice the train station operator, like the person who says, Next stop is Jacob McCourt or whatever. Like I <laughs> It's a bad stop. Don't get off there. <laughs> um I all things considered everything that I noticed in this game I was a fan of there were just a couple things that like dialogue puzzle things I just didn't have the patience for but um, the lack of stakes never bothered me even though I think that's a really interesting way to look at this game so um, I don't know good vibes about this game I I would be really interested to play the next one Uh, Scott I know that you gave your your final thoughts but I want to know you've you've teased it you've talked about wanting other media adaptations of this what do you want to see? I think this, I view this as it could be a really cool proof of concept. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff here, and I don't know what it was going for, like, uh, for me. And I don't know what I was expecting going into it, because I don't really play a lot of these games. So I, I, I don't necessarily hold a lot of that, uh, I don't hold it against it, per se. It's more, I, having things just spoon-fed to me just really bugged me. Like, had it just been like even a dialogue choice at the end is like oh like where i could kind of put together from everything i i had read up to that point i would have been i I would have been ended my experience a lot more positive but the just flat out this is where the robots came from this is what we're doing with them this is what's happening and then the choice, do you want to send them to fight or get them blown up? Like, I wish it was, I I wish I could have chosen, but the premise in kind of the lead up uh, was fine. I think what would be really interesting is having, kind of taking off of, like what you've said, Flora, like the mini, mini series and stuff, but instead of an anime, I think I would love like short novellas where each one takes a view of a different tech in the same, um, kind of time span like the ones getting on and off the train so you get a bit more of a look of their life above ground and like what's really going on or that sounds cool a a perspective just like short little snippets and they all end with the revolution or whatever happening or not happening like i think that could be really interesting and then from those transition into like a full-blown like sequel yeah um and or I would be fine I would be fine with a, a sequel game as long as they present it in a way where maybe even if it wasn't I was a t- detective because I think when you put yourself in the role of a detective there's almost an implication that you are trying to figure out a case you are trying to like in Detroit become human or something or even you mentioned uh, Citizen Sleeper I yeah. love how they incorporate kind of the dice rolls to being yeah. able to kind of impact things. If there was, if you keep their detective, make me, let me play out kind of that detective. Let me try and get to the bottom. Or if you want a more linear narrative, that's fine too. But don't put me in a, a, a role uh, that traditionally figures out mysteries or, or something. 
that makes a bit there, more sense. There's a spectrum of linear yeah. and like you know choice heavy, and I just don't think that maybe you're okay with where the game sat. Right. It is it is pretty linear, but there's a little bit of choice. So I think you either want to be on one side of the spectrum where it's very decision heavy, or you want this to be a novella, a TV show, yeah. an anime, etc. Don't give me the illusion of choice if you're just going to spell it out for me. I think it is is where I land. Um, sure. Or if you want, take me along with with it. Like in a book, you can as a reader, you can follow along and kind of read with the detectives and kind of put together what they're thinking. And then at the end, if there's a big revealer, they tell you it's like, okay, that I was right or I followed along. Um, but yeah, I guess I just have different expectations when I go into a video game as I would reading a book or a movie or something. So, Travis, final thoughts. Um, Where do you want to see this go? I liked this a lot. Like, I, I liked my time with it. I don't think I... um, I think I liked the ideas that it brought up. I like the the setting. I like the the discussion that it was able to create because there is some really good ideas in here. Um, I mean, yeah, games should be shorter. I also wouldn't mind if this was like a 10-hour game. Like if there was like, you know, a nice little, like that's that sweet spot for me. It's like a 10-hour game, like just enough to kind of give me, you know, some leeway to be able to make those decisions and make those choices and and yeah. fail and uh you know actually do the detective work like scott's saying that would be fun yeah. um mm-hmm. but i i do like this for what it is if you know uh you know what i was just thinking we were talking about like shorts and snippets this gives me like love death and robot vibes like it it yeah. feels like those kinds of shorts where it's like it could be a little you know if you're saying short you know little tiny mini uh short stories where you're kind of getting all those pieces and that's kind of where this is almost like a, a little like pilot for what could be a potentially bigger game which i think would be cool um mm-hmm. but in terms of like other media yeah like we've already kind of said it like a book would be great you know like i a show would be great i love the ideas that are at play here um it's just a matter of like implementing them in different ways but otherwise, no, I really liked my experience with it. Before we close here, I'm just going to read some reviews off from uh, different outlets. Uh, this one got, uh, this game got a 79 on Metacritic for Switch and an 83 on PC. Uh, two reviews in particular, Polygon gave it a 9. Colin Campbell said, Subsurface Circular extracts maximum entertainment from limited resources through the admirable trick of great writing, excellent pacing, sparkling dialogue, and bang-on story beats. It's a lovely game. The fine work of a developer whose main skill is differential... Uh, main skill differential is neither coding, art, nor level design, but good old-fashioned storytelling. And then Shack News gave it an 8. Uh, Brittany Vincent said, uh, Subsurface Circular is one of the most unique games available on Switch right now, and this iteration feels right at home on the console. If you're looking for something that's a little off the beaten path to add to your burgeoning Switch collection, you can't go wrong with this one, even if it's on the shorter side. So, there you go. Our thoughts on Subsurface Circular. Uh, Scott... Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, we finally got you on. I know. And, and not to talk about an RPG. And uh, dude, next no, time, can... RPG time. No, it's fine. <laughs> I, I, Funny enough, I do play other games besides RPGs. And sorry for bringing some spice. I, I just... No, it was <laughs> please. We're all about spice here. So Actually, um, I loved the counter takes on that because I, I came in really feeling great about this game. But every point that you brought up an objection made sense to me. Like you, you didn't sit there and sound like a hater. I promise. Yeah, I. This isn't a like oh, this, this is one out of ten. It, it sucks. It, this is a <laughs> yeah. not my thing. I would probably wouldn't review it. Like that. That's where I sit. It's like not my cup of tea. 
but I'm glad it exists for people that do enjoy these. And look, we're all about a diversity of opinions here. So, um, again, uh, we really love that you made it on the show. Thank you. Uh, if folks want to find you and your work on the internet, yes. where's the best place they can do that? Sure. So you can follow me on Twitter at Professor RPG, or you can follow my podcast, RPG University, on Twitter at underscore RPG University. And on TikTok, I haven't quite decided what I'm doing on TikTok yet with it, but it's at TikTok RPG University, whatever that address is. I don't know. I don't know TikTok yet. <laughs> uh, help me, marketing are... man. Help me. Help. Uh, make content. Hashtag do it. How's that? Was that good? <laughs> that was bad, wasn't it? Uh, what are some of the games that you're playing on RPG University coming up? Um, so I just recorded today with uh, Megan Sullivan from History and Games um persona 3 we talked about persona 3 Ooh. today because of the the new hd port coming out releasing tomorrow as of awesome. recording this yes. um i sat down with reb valentine from ign to awesome just just talk about what it's like to review long games in general for publication and kind of pull mm-hmm. back the 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 uh the curtain on that um we'll be recording stuff on Mega Man battle network coming up We'll have a Fire Emblem Engage episode coming up. Um, Tales of Symphonia for next month's release. We'll have something on that. Um, yeah, it's 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 so many games this year. It's so many <laughs> RPGs. I I'm not gonna sleep. <laughs> uh, and here's a recommendation uh, for. Uh, I'm sure there are amazing starting points in the feed for RPG University. But if you want to hear the PAX West panel that Scott led the six degrees of Tetsuya Nomura. Um, it's episode 96 in the feed. Um, it's really fun having people say, I would like you to connect Pepsi Yoshi Man. to Tetsuya Nomura. Tetsuya Nomura. Oh, we Pepsi also Man? did Pepsi Man. Pepsi Man was a submission. We also had a like, oh, who was the actual legitimate scientist we connected? Uh, who's the gravity guy with the apple? Newton? The- Newton, yeah, yeah Newton. we had to, someone from the audience supplied Isaac Newton, so we had to connect Isaac Newton, the full, uh, that guy, to back to Tetsuya Nomura, so that was oh a good time. Gosh. And they didn't even yeah. use Super Smash Brothers to it's do true. it. It's true. <laughs> um, Scott, thank you so much for coming on the thank show. Thank you so much uh, for having me. We really me. appreciate your time. Yeah, uh, pleasure. You can find all things Left Behind Game Club at Left Behind Club on Twitter, on Instagram at Left Behind Game Club, and you can join our Discord where we talk about video games, uh, share anime gifts on the weekend, and share video game deals. Uh, that's at leftbehindgame.club slash Discord. If you like the show, do us two favors. Uh, send it to a friend because that's how people hear about podcasts and give it a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. Hey, you, if you're listening to this on Spotify... We could really use more five-star reviews there. So please give us that five-star so the algorithm just gives us a kiss because we love that. Um, <laughs> I don't nice, know where that came from, but here we are. Nice central, central kiss tonight on Left Behind Game Club After Dark. I'm, it's, been, it's been lovely to be with you beautiful, beautiful people with your sweet, luscious mouths and those, oh my God! Those kisses! Oh my gosh! You should have should have seen us earlier. Jacob was talking about how hot he was, and it was he was giving no, was me the vapors. It was oh my God! Vapors! It was a wild time, everybody. It was. How are you doing? How are you doing, oh listener? You doing good? Uh, well, in my best pillow talk voice, Travis, please tell us <laughs> where we can be found best. on the internet. <laughs> that, that was the best one. <laughs> 
Oh my god. <laughs> Should I play Kenny G in the background? Oh gosh. Some, gotta get some smooth jazz in here. Mm-hmm. A little smooth jazz, some bass. We all like bass in here, right? I'm I'm on Twitter. Travis Colnut. <laughs> Hi there! Oh, I'm Mickey Mouse now. Oh gosh. You waited a year for this, Jacob. I did. I did. A Travis, year. Oh, I did. Travis, where can you be found on the internet? Just say it again, because I don't. You, it was super high pitched. I'm on Twitter at uh, Travis Colnut. You have another podcast too. Please tell us about that. Yeah, it's uh, Cutscenes, a video game movie podcast. It's with uh, Jacob McCourt and Katie hey. Esperance. Yeah. Who are they? Um, we are actually going to be launching our fourth season very shortly. Um, it's going to be a watch along with the new uh, The Last of Us show. Super excited. Dude, yeah, you have nut in your name. <laughs> I tried to keep it on the rails, and there we go. I, I just realized it. it, it it's perfect. It comes all... It's a subsurface circular podcast. Oh Started spicy and spicy. Uh, you can find me on the internet at Jacob McCord on all major social platforms. Uh, I do TikTok. I do cutscenes. I do Left Behind Game Club. Uh, I'm all over the place. Uh, Flora, where can you be found on the interwebs? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at LudoNarrativeFM. You can find me on EpilogueGaming.com where I post articles. Um, I have something coming up with like Floor Chicken from Vampire Survivors soon, if that catches your attention. Um, but otherwise, of course, the Discord uh, for the Left Behind Game Club where I'm in there posting Yakuza GIFs every Friday. GIFs or GIFs? GIFs, always. Okay, good, good. <laughs> um, well, that's our show. Uh, Mike's not on this show, so I'll say shout out Mike Ruffalo and that, my friends, is one less game left behind. (laughs) I love that we're going to litigate that at the end of each show. Uh, it has to happen. Jifes. Mm-hmm. Get it right. Jifes. Jifes. Yes. Everyone loses. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs>